Good evening and welcome in to a special Buff Sports Radio podcast. I'm Joe Paris with the crew of Buff Sports Riders and an analyst with me. Uh, I'll let everyone come down the line real quickly. Hey, how's it going, guys? Andrew Hobner here for you. I'm here with uh, Matt Cisneros. Uh, Jake Shapiro from BSN Denver. Wow, look at that. Jake Shapiro, BSN Denver. He's the he's the Fancy man. He's the heavy hitter here. <laughs> Guys, incredible game on Saturday. In my opinion, my favorite Buffs game I've ever seen in my life. Colorado beats Colorado State in an instant classic at Mile High Stadium. Uh, Diego gets his last uh, chance uh, twice, so good thing uh, he got a second chance at that, or he might have been having a lot of people call for his name. Yeah, really huge. Diego Gonzalez uh, shaking off that really big push that he had at the end of the game to put the second one straight to the uprights. I think the bigger story, though, outside of Diego Gonzalez, might have been CSU special teams. Because, like, think about it. Like, right, we have we have been freaking out about CU special teams for pretty much this whole season to date so far. For, like, ten years. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then to see CSU's kicker just shank, get blocked, just awful. Awful across the board. Made me feel a little bit better comparatively. I don't know about you guys. He makes one of those... Different game, yeah. But he, what he went two for five, so, something like that. Numbers, I, I don't know. I, all I know is it was just, it was bad. I mean, big credit to Tedrick Thompson for the block at the end of that game. Oh, but, that was incredible. But when you when you look at CSU and the amount of chances that they had that they missed, um, certainly a, a, a huge problem. The nice thing that CU did though is, uh, like our friend Ryan Konigsberg at BSN Denver stated, you know, Bobby Bowden said it. Coach Mack kind of echoed this philosophy of. You lose big, then you lose small, then you win small, then you win big. And I think we've finally seen the start of Colorado in their win-small phase. The close win monkey is finally off their back. That was one of my big things from this week. Uh, For the first time in a long time, we saw Colorado win a game. They did not play very well for a majority or two large parts of this game, and yet they still found a way to win it. Uh, we've talked about this at nauseum, me, you, uh, Joe, and Andrew. Uh, that was me and you. Uh, uh, the defense is going to bend, but it will not break. And we saw this this uh, this uh, this game. They CSU goes for 500 yards in this game, yet they only scored 24 points. Uh, a large part is, of that is due to the kicker only hitting one of four field goals. <laughs> but you know the defense still got the timely stops when they need them, needed them. Tedrick Thompson still blocks that field goal. Uh, Kenneth Crawley still makes that pick. Kenneth Ogobode still houses one. So they, they did their job. And I think the mentality that Colorado came out of the first quarter with was pretty impressive. They go down big early in that game, and the technicality was that it was a CSU home game at Mile High, and honestly, it felt like it. You know, The the green and gold was out there in full force. It really felt like we were the away team. Um, I'll give them credit. I thought the CSU fan section had an incredible showing. Um, You know, CSU and CU both had, I mean, tons of people show up, close to 70,000 people. Uh, Both student sections are filled, but the mentality for Colorado to not give up on that game. I mean, when you go down early the way they did and it was ugly I mean it looked like all of a sudden that game could have been 21-3-28-0 and to get it close into halftime was something that you say alright we're going to start rolling here and that's a mentality that's changed the last few years if that game happens last year or like we saw two years ago Colorado gets blown out of that game. Oh easily and you know Matt you and I were standing on the sidelines talking about this right when they went down 14 yeah. nothing, thinking to ourselves this is always going to happen as long as CU goes in the week of thinking oh it's not that 
big of a deal to us. And I think the minute they went down 14 nothing, something clicked where they realized, like, wait, this does matter to us. Like, look around, see how many people are there. The amount of white, I mean, the student section, the Folsom Frenzy absolutely killed it. It was a sea of white in that south end oh, zone. Yeah. But you and me were talking about it, that we didn't think it mattered enough. But then they came back into the game, and you could start to see, really in the second half, that there was a lot more of an edge, and that the the care and the desire to take that trophy is is going to it was going to override any thoughts of whether or not this was a rivalry. I forgot there was a trophy, by the way. I forgot about the Centennial <laughs> Cup because we come out at the end of the game. It's like, oh, we get the cup. Oh, we got the cup. Let's go. Yeah. In uh, the CSU had the Centennial Cup in their locker room before the game. Bad luck. They, wow. They had it just in the middle of the locker room, and they like, they, they they did not want to give it up. But uh, that, that too bad. Yeah. How about CSU not even coming out to to shake CU's hands uh, pregame? I, that, that's a little. The yeah, that's that some gamesmanship. No, I'm okay with that. That's gamesmanship. Yeah, yeah, You've seen that in the NFL. Did you see how CSU walked out onto the field? I, I did actually. That and and I was down there for the coin toss too. Um, and it was there was something in the air there. You could tell that there was an animosity, and I kind of liked it. You know, I, I thought to myself, you know, as as classless as we can say it is, you know, it's, it's cool because every other game CU is going to play this year, they're going to walk out, they're going to be friendly, they're going to shake each other's hand, might have a laugh and coin toss, yeah. but, but this game, it, it was different, and I, and I really love that aspect of this game and why it's such a big deal is that it was different. But here, inappropriate question to go down the line. Who, who had the worst week? CSU's kicker or Cam the Ram? Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, Cam the Ram because he died. I, yeah, yeah. I think I was one of the few reporters that was up in the box that were aware that Cam had died. I have a lot of friends that go to CSU, and I'm actually uh, – it turns out I'm good friends with the guy that was running their social media during the game. And uh, his name was Chris. I was talking to Chris, and he mentioned that Cam had passed away earlier in the day. I was like, oh, God, like, that can't be good. Because I saw a lot of, like, Twitter statuses that said, like, RIP Cam. I was like, oh, wow, like – Yikes! That's like some gamesmanship. Like I didn't realize that he actually died. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so. Like imagine if Ralphie died on game day, we would all be gutted. Oh, yeah. Well, didn't that happen to Ralphie? The uh, the second Ralphie, I think Ralphie too died mm-hmm. right after a game in the middle of the season, and for three weeks in you know the '60s they went without a Ralphie. Yeah. So. Oh, yep, that's true. I, and it's funny to think about it in today's world, what Ralphie means to the school. But you think about it, dude. Cam the Ram. There's there have been twenty four Cam the Rams. Like. How got a better lifespan, man? I, I guess like go go get like a bighorn or something that's gonna last a little bit longer. Like four, four and a half years old or something like that. Yeah, like what? It yeah, was. but Junior stepped in and did a good job. He didn't poop in the end zone. <laughs> Camp pooped in the end zone last year. Remember that? It's true. You know, well, typical CSU can barely make it through four years. Yeah. Ex- uh, oh, oh, got him. Love it. Love it. He got him. He's got a family. <laughs> so on the stat side of this game, um, we'll go down the line again. Who impressed you? The most with their player through the stat line. Because for me, although he did have one pretty big overthrow that could have led to six, I was really impressed with how Sefo stood up this game. He had a couple really phenomenal passes. His pass in the end zone to Devin Ross, I don't think you could have thrown a more perfect ball if you had tried. Right in the breadbasket for Ross, right in the breadbasket twice for Sheffield. He dropped one, which also could have been six. The only real misstep I think he had that whole game, he missed Shea again over the middle on a pretty wide open play and then he underthrew Nelson on a on a flood route across the middle but other than those two things he really i think stepped up when he had at least minimal 
pass protection because it seems CSU was so intent on the run. They let Sefo sit back and pass the ball a bit. That was the game that will define Sefo Lufau because I had this impending feeling of doom in my stomach in that last drive in the Where's fourth quarter. Where's that? Where's that Sefo interception? I, like, <laughs> I looked out. I looked out at my phone. I looked at the game stats. He's like, "Oh man, he hasn't thrown a pick yet." And it's like, "Uh oh, like, <laughs> is this it?" And I turned. I turned to uh, my to my dad and my brother, and I said. What do you think? My dad says if he throws a pick, I'm never coming to a game ever again. <laughs> but, uh, no, in all seriousness, I think Sefo led the way. And the coolest part for me for Sefo was he got banged up. And he goes to the sideline. All the trainers are checking him out. All of us in the box look at each other and say, oh, my God, who's, who's Colorado's number two? Is it, is it Gurkis? Is it Gurkis? We won Gurkis. We won Gurkis. And Sefo <laughs> comes out, throws a bomb, turns to the sideline and says, I'm fine. And he throws up the Shakas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Shakas. It was so sick. I think what – uh, was so great about Sefo this game. You know, he only goes 15 for 28. He had some terrible passes, mm-hmm. but he battled the entire right, game, yep. and he made the timely play. Uh, that huge play on fourth and one with nine seconds left to even give Diego Gonzalez a shot. I think I think it's hilarious. McIntyre comes in the press conference and like randomly shoots that out. That you know, oh, how about my play call to to go for it on fourth and one with nine <laughs> seconds left? But props to him. It worked. They they had that play. And, uh, you know... He wants his credit. (laughs) Mac Mac needed this. If Diego hits that field goal, that's a huge play call. Yes. Huge. (laughs) Didn't you confirm he was crying on the sideline? Was that your tweet I saw? That was not my tweet. Someone tweeted that he was crying. I was getting a lap dance from Christian Paul. How was it? Did you... (laughs) You tip him? Uh, you put it in the cup? Put some change in the cup? He, he dapped me for it. Uh, oh, all right. That's enough. That's uh, enough. Daps. Really well, blurring the line of reporter there. I know. Uh, but that play from Sefo to Spruce, that's a heck of a throw. And another play that even got called back, Spruce to, to Dylan Keeney, mm-hmm. that was a heck of a throw. A great play call by McIntyre uh, to realize what defense CSU was in and to realize that Keeney, uh, Ke- uh, Dylan Keeney was going to be wide open on that play. But the guy who I was impressed with most in this game was uh, Diego Gonzalez. Just the confidence to hit that 52-yard field goal to start the buffs off on the scoring. You know, misses two in a row. The second one, he missed at the end of the game in front of his family who drove 20 hours to see him play and misses the game-winning field goal and then comes back and hits the game winner. Uh, After the game, I guess Diego had a conversation with his family and they said, uh, why'd you miss the first field goal? <laughs> and he goes, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> what was the deal with that? I mean, he just I missed it. I think, well, based on, touched. I was going to say, based on what I, I saw, yeah, based on what I saw on Twitter uh, from people that were watching the game and had the ability to see the replays that CBS Sports was putting up, the hold and the snap looked good enough. Um, I think he just went out and pushed it. And that's nerves. That's a young guy. And also, getting iced once is bad. Getting iced twice. Yeah. Oh, my God. You did that last week, too. They, they did. did. That's right. And they lost, too. And I, I think it. it's karma because yeah. I hate that rule. I think it's, it should be the same rule in the NFL where you can only call one timeout. You can't call back-to-back timeouts. Like, that's just, like, annoying. I, I agree. And I think uh, I think it really takes a lot of a lot of moxie, cojones, mm-hmm. whatever double entendre you want to <laughs> put into this pod about um, how, how steely he was to, to be able to walk out. After having missed one, he watched the kicker on the other side also have a bad game. And I think that plays into your mental aspect because you're thinking, you know, you could think, oh, you know, he's struggling, so it's not that bad. Or you could be thinking, like, oh, God, he's struggling too, you know. Um, You watch a block on a chip shot, and then you go out and you put it directly through the uprights. I think that is just ice in the veins, and 
it was an impressive weekend overall for this team. You know, Kenny Olegbode got Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week this week based off of that pick six he had. He also had a pretty phenomenal game across the board. Have yourself a birthday. Yeah, and yeah, it was his birthday. I was, was about to cool. say, don't think you could have a much better birthday uh, birthday gift than that. The funny thing was... We don't even know what he did after the game. Yeah, really. Uh, the funny thing was, did, did you guys notice this, or am I just, am I just crazy? That could have been a P.I. going against Colorado. Get when Gamboa hits the running back, and it's close enough. But I, you know, I'm I'm not complaining. Right, yeah. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to do is complain about it. But I, I've just I, I've been I want to know what everyone else's thoughts on this are because I feel like I, I don't just based on what everyone's been saying on Twitter. I feel like I'm the only one who who thinks that like that was close enough that it could have gone either way. Well, I agree with you, but it's the same thing we talked about uh, last week against UMass where based on instant replay, you can make anything a conversation. You know, look at his targeting that's penalty. Right. Yep, that's right. I think, and, you know, Phil Sims always tries to bail himself out using replay, and I think it's just rookie stuff. There it is, calling him out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, the referees, they know what to look for, and especially, like, they take into account, you know, what the situation of the game. I agree with you. I think they definitely could have called it. And, again, I'm not I'm not complaining. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you go through a ton of games, and you go through a ton of calls. You can say, that could have been that, that could have been that. And that's why it's really annoying when, like, you have these NCAA broadcasts or NFL broadcasts that have these referees that are sitting in the studio, and they go back to them and have them analyze the play. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's a 50-50 play. Like, no one's saying that officials are perfect in any sport. It's human error. They certainly weren't perfect on Saturday. <laughs> no, and by the way, a lot of people weren't aware of this. This is the exact same crew that called Colorado and Hawaii. Yep. Like, you know they had to have said someone said something at some point. <laughs> One of the Colorado players. I mean, I went into work on Sunday after we were watching game tape. And uh, I work for CU Video, by the way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> shameless CU Video plug. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag. What's their the forever buffs? What is their thing? Forward. Forward, forward buffs. Two just drops. Um, <laughs> we were watching. Show. Uh, we watched it in super slow motion, obviously, but everyone's like, this is blatant passive interference. But in slow motion, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Replay, going back on it in real time, that's a bang bang play. I don't know if you call that. Yeah. It's one of those things like in hockey where there's a pre-hit. There it is. Uh, <laughs> hockey reference. You know what I'm talking about, Joe, where, where they allow a pre-hit uh, yeah. and it's not interference because they know the puck's going to be there. I think there's a certain aspect of that here in football where it's just so bang-bang where you're allowing some sort of pre-hit to him touching it. I, I know that's the definition of pass interference. Mm-hmm. but it's Well, going back to hockey, a it's state. a hockey play. Mm-hmm. I call it a football play. Right. It's in the nature of the sport. He isn't trying to interfere with his ability to make – well, he is trying to interfere with his ability to make the catch, but he isn't trying to do anything illegal in doing that. He's trying to make the play on the ball, and the guy just happens to be there at that time. Yeah, well, you know, what this all comes down to and what I really appreciated about it watching – uh, not only that play, but just the entire defense over the course of the game. They got some fight to them, man. Like oh, yeah. Ken Crawley laying out that running back on the or, uh, or the offensive lineman, excuse me, on the run back. Um, you know, Jimmy Gilbert got knocked out, got taken out of the game for targeting. Laguna last week against UMass got taken out for targeting, even though that was a pretty clean hit. But all of it around the board, man. They hit hard. They they fight hard. They hit you where it hurts. I mean, I like that. I don't think I've seen that on a Colorado it's a swagger. Wow. <laughs> Witherspoon was out for part, parts of this mm-hmm. game. Moeller was Moeller out was for out, parts yep. of the, this Gillum's, game. Gillum did not play. Yeah. Uh, the guys who made up for their absence, Laguda played a little bit, did not look great. 
John Walker got burnt, but he was put on the outside, and he should be in the nickelback, mm-hmm. so I can't really blame him there. Chidobe Awuzie looked phenomenal, phenomenal. again in this phenomenal. game. Um, Rick Gamboa looked great. He made that big play, and he looked great across the board. Ryan Moeller, besides his injury, looked pretty good. And Justin Solis was one of the only guys on the defensive line making a difference. That was the best game of his career. He made some pretty key tackles at the end there. Oh, yeah. that Well, he, he made the big stop on, on third and one, yeah. um, uh, keeping Dawkins from, from moving. That's a really an, uh, another interesting thing is the tackling was a big issue. But I, I really like these CSU running backs, man. I mean, they, they, they went hard to the hole, and they didn't. They're bulldogging it all the way through that game. They're a good team. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I was actually pretty impressed with CSU. You know, you don't like to give them credit because they are the cross state team, but I don't. I don't. I feel like they didn't get as decimated uh, as I thought they were going to be by the loss of guys like D. Hart and Garrett Grayson yeah. uh, and Ty Sambrella. You know, they're they're going to be they're going to be good. But the other big news today: Buffs and Oregon, October third. Prime time on the mothership, baby. Ugh. Immediate impacts. I want to hear this. Um, that's cool. First of all, <laughs> that's cool. That's nice. cool. Nice. I told my dad, he said that's past my bedtime. But um, <laughs> I really, the the best part of this for me is there are no excuses for people not to show up to this game. This is a great time. You get to go party all afternoon in the parking lot, and if you walk through the tailgate at Mile High Stadium, by goodness, oh, that was. I saw some stuff. I saw some <laughs> stuff. But I think this is perfect. You know, it's going to be the blackout event, which people rally around. Hint, uh, hint. This isn't going to be the blackout. Is this not blackout? No, it's this is oh, family weekend. Oh, it's family weekend. weekend. I'm family sorry. Weekend. USC's blackout. Yeah. So hint, family hint. weekend. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> Families. And um, I think this is going to be – it's a perfect <laughs> environment. It's a perfect environment for a sellout. It really is because Oregon's here. I mean, we know the national following they have. Colorado is hot right now. Hopefully, you know, they stay hot for a few weeks. But putting them on ESPN primetime, is that the first time we've ever been on ESPN primetime by choice? Well, I wouldn't think so because, you know, back in, in the, the last few years. In the last few years. Excuse me. I'm sure their national championship yeah. game was on in primetime. <laughs> right. We've been on ESPN 2 in primetime. And the 3. <laughs> and and the Trace and the Ocho. Ocho. <laughs> uh, but I, I think this is a great uh, – thing for CU, this game right here, because Oregon's coming in here, you know Oregon's going to sell out at least three or four sections. Mm-hmm. That That's gonna, that's good for CU at the end of the day, because they're going to sell more tickets. CU is, it, this game's going to be packed with students. Uh, we know the USC game is already, because 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, you know first and second quarter, the students will be there. I don't know about the general public, because that's kind of a late start. It's probably going to be the fourth or fifth latest start in CU uh, football history. CU basketball at midnight. Yeah, that <laughs> was pretty bad. Uh, but this is a primetime event for students to show up and show that they are supporting of, this, uh, of the CU football team. It's the conference opener. And they're they're gonna be three and one, and they're not gonna be in last place. USC's in last place. Yeah. I can remember the last time they were on primetime on ESPN. It was that Thursday night game against Arizona State in uh, 2012. Freshman year, freshman year, yeah. Freshman yeah. year. Yeah. and that game was incredible. Yeah. Now that, that was the, probably one of the most electric atmospheres I've seen outside of the Rocky Mountain show. Yeah, this past that year. was. It, I feel free to correct me, and I'm sure if someone listens to this, they're yelling at their transistor radio right now because that's what they're listening on because it's a pod but um that was you know the atmosphere for me was incredible and it made me want to go to games and that was i think one of the first games i went to as a student you know i'd gone to see football games growing up but you know shap you were there i mean do you remember it yeah i was uh in high school still but i sat in the student section and i remember the end of the half 
that first half, there, there was something crazy that happened at the end of the first half that compelled everyone to not leave their seats. Yeah. Everyone was sitting there at halftime, could not move, and then the first play, the second half, Arizona. Yeah, they, they blew it open. If I remember it correctly, they had an interception like deep in their own territory that stopped a drive. Yeah, right, and it, it kept us like tied at half. Yeah, and we were in that yeah. game. I think what they were number seventeen or something. So yeah. they were highly rated. Mm-hmm. You know, the the nice thing about this is uh, the fact that Colorado gets a lot of media attention on ESPN this year. They get ESPN the main network for this. They get ESPN two for USC and the Gospel according to Mac will be uh, broadcast all over ESPN's family of networks when Thirty for Thirty happens. This is a great, great, great time for Colorado football to at least. Be competitive. I'm not going to say that they're going to go out and beat Oregon or beat USC, yeah. but at least be competitive. Even Craig Watts is giving CU the time of day and visiting next this weekend mm-hmm. uh, when we play Nickel State. And people well, see that. And well, uh, and to that end, what a huge bump that's going to be in recruiting because in-state recruit four-star uh, defensive end linebacker Carlo Kemp is going to be in-house with Anthony Julmis, who's another really big uh, Colorado prospect. They're both going to be there for that Oregon game. So if you got a strong showing from fans and it's uh, you know color coordinated because I feel like that kind of does matter, <laughs> um, you know, and and it's ESPN and and the glamour of being back in Folsom, like being what it was all those years ago. You know, I think that's going to be a huge, huge bump. They just you know have to not lose by sixty. From what I think they'll heard, play a game. Yeah. From what I've heard about Craig Watts. He is ready to give his verbal to a school. So if Colorado has a good visit this weekend, Craig Watts could potentially commit before they even have these kids come in and visit. Uh, so you hear that, fans? It's on you, fans. you got to show up and make it a cool environment. Seriously. <laughs> no, it's, it's on us. It's true. It is. It's big. It's a big fan thing, and they really showed up great for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And, and you know, that's that was the thing that was needed because it's always the benchmark every year for fan interest if you beat CSU the fans will be there and I think they got the job done they made it exciting they're going to kill Nichols State I have a feeling this weekend and then you walk in to the glamour of the Pac-12 schedule a big time prime time showing against Oregon it's going to be fun the last time Nichols State won a football game was October 12th of 2013 wow hold on real quickly before we wrap this up because we do got to wrap this up we all have class apparently but um NCMCI events what's this deal with Nichols State not wanting to be called Nichols State they want to be called Nichols that's that's it, Rachel Nichols. But that's classic. not what they are. <laughs> Rachel Nichols. Well, we're the Rachel University Nichols. of Colorado, but we want you to call us Swagger Bombs. <laughs> like, that's the equivalent. Like it's like doesn't make sense. We want you to call us Skull Bombs. <laughs> fight Ralphie fight. Fight Ralphie fight. I like that a lot, by the way. I like the fight Ralphie work. fight. It could work. I'd like that on a T-shirt, Jake. Yeah. Can you get that for the wholesome frenzy? <laughs> I can. Toss it at uh, the marketing department. I mean, I was making, I was trying to make it happen. It was, I felt like I was a mean Stop trying to make fetch happen. See, I was trying to make, I was trying to make fight Ralphie fight happen. I had the, I guess, the privilege of being on the student media handle and any opportunities. Hashtag fight, fight Ralphie, Ralphie fight. fight. Well, thank you for joining us on this special transmission of Butt Sports Radio. Uh, before we let you go, Andrew, we have a big announcement regarding the future of Radio 1190 Sports. That's right, uh, you guys that have been tuning into Friday Night Live, uh, we appreciate all that you have done as far as listening to us and being with us we are also going to be opening up on the monday night time slot from six to seven buff sports radio will be on 1190 to give you all of your timely immediate recaps and all things cu sports all the way through so mondays and fridays we will be with you talking cu sports and also be sure to catch the cui's pick six podcast which goes up every single wednesday get your fix of buffs all the way through the week supplemented and complimented 
and sometimes another word it did other word it did <laughs> by by Ryan and Jake's fantastic BSN Denver uh, coverage of CU I mean you will not find a better group covering Colorado football Colorado basketball Colorado sports as a whole right now than BSN Denver you guys you know, I hate great. to do this but the five of us, the four of us plus Ryan is five we're the fab five really ooh I kind of like that. Can okay. I be the? I'll be the. You're, you're definitely sure. the point guard. I'm pretty sure Ryan's Chris Weber. <laughs> I'm the two I'm, guard. I'm Jalen Rose. I wanted to be Jalen Rose. I'm, 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 I'm too inflammatory. I'm I have to be the Jalen Rose. I'm the guy that's like 99 out of the top hundred. Like I'm the 90, yeah, the, 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 the last worst. guy. Right no, there. Matt, you're you're Jawan Howard. You're the, you're the one who was rolling up with the Heat at age 38, winning uh, a ring yeah. just to just win the ring. Keep getting them checks. Keep getting them checks. Jawan Howard is basically. Woody Harrelson from Semi-Pro. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Monix. Yeah, he is Monix. So anyways, we'll be back on uh, next Monday night. We'll be having some big guests. Um, honestly, if you guys want someone, let us know. We're obviously going to go for the big fish. Coach Mack, Coach Levitt, Sefo, Nelson Spruce. But if you guys want to hear from someone, like I want to hear from uh, Vinny Arvia. I want to hear what Vinny thinks about things. Uh, go look him up. He's on the team. Um, <laughs> How about T.J. Patterson? We can have T.J. Patterson. The Centennial Cup off the field. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have Gurkhas on. Anyways, with Andrew Hobner, Andrew Hobner, Andrew Hobner, Matt Sinicero, and Jake Shapiro. I'm Joe Paris. Thank Cis- you for... Cisneros. Cisneros? What did I say? Dude, it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> I've always seen his name on paper. It is like <laughs> alphabet soup. I was like, oh, I'm really glad I don't have his last name. Anyway, you're tuning in to Buff Sports Radio. Didn't say 1190. Uh, we'll be back on Friday night for Friday Night Live, but uh, check out the CUI. Check out Radio 1190. Check out Sports Mag on Friday and find all the action on Twitter at capital GBSM underscore sports. Uh, That's where we'll be posting this and everything. This has been Buff Sports Radio, your number one home for Colorado sports.